The more simple and memorable a logo is, the more effective it becomes, not just for people to remember it, but for the product or service or organization using it to deploy it, to produce it in whatever medium they have to use it on. What's up, branding experts? Arakira Ibek Design. And welcome to On Branding Podcast, the only podcast where I interview branding experts to give you actionable tips on everything branding and beyond. And in this episode, I interview Armin Witt, and we talk about tips for effective logo design. And Armin has established himself as an influential figure in logo design space through his blog called Brand New, which is a very popular blog in design community, where you can basically find a lot of logo and brand identity reviews, including uh, redesigns on some of the top brands. But Armin also worked at the iconic design firm Petagram in its New York office, and now he also works with clients under his own design firm under consideration. So Armin is an expert when it comes to logos, and that's why I really wanted to have him on our podcast today. Hello, Armin. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on our podcast. Sure thing. Thank you for having me, Eric. Thanks. So you've reviewed countless of new logos, and so you're probably the most experienced person when it comes to critiquing them. So we would love you to share with us some tips for uh, designing an effective logo. So hopefully it's going to help us become better or just more effective at designing logos and brand identities. So let's imagine that uh, we have to design a new logo for a brand, whether it is for our client or our own brand. So now we have a bunch of ideas and we got some concepts and how to judge them because we either don't have any criteria or we ha- our criteria is very vague and kind of random. So let's start talking about what makes a great logo from the aesthetic points of view. Yeah, so I think one thing that holds true, you know, after 50 years, 60 years of logo design is that the more simple and memorable a logo is, the more effective it becomes, not just for people to remember it, but for the product or service or organization using it to deploy it, to um, to produce it in whatever medium they have to do to use it on. So I think that remains the cornerstone of a good logo design, whether, you know, how simple it is. And that doesn't mean that it has to be boring or minimal. It's just how direct is it in its message, in its execution, uh, does it communicate what you want it to do, what you want it to communicate as quickly as possible? Right, so it needs to communicate the right thing. So you have to do some kind of a discovery phase or research phase, research your competitors, uh, get to know the company, if it's a startup, uh, how uh, was the vision for the future, and perhaps if it's a re- rebrand, then you need to get to know the company and its history uh, just to determine to, uh, how you can take them into the future, right? So, but uh, also talking about uh, like things, pure aesthetics, like proportions, uh, scalability, uh, uh, alignment, and those type of things. Uh, what, like, what would you say is the most important, what are the most important aspects of, uh, uh, in terms of aesthetics? All of the things that you mentioned are important. So proportions, scale, uh, you know, how one element relates to another in terms of spatial relationship. You know, if you have something with multiple strokes, are those strokes the same 
thickness? Do they have the space, the same spacing in between? You know, the colors, are they pleasant to use on print and online? Or is the typeface that you choose pleasant? And I think pleasant is uh, subjective. Obviously, everything here is subjective. But I think yes. once you start like really analyzing what the elements that you're using and being very critical about those, you know, what does this say? What does this typeface choice say? And again, it's subjective, but I think based on if you compare it to other logos in similar industries or even even if there are different industries, but that you want to achieve something similar to those logos. And it's not that you're going to copy it, but if you think that the Airbnb logo is successful in some way or another, what about it is is appealing to you and what from it can you replicate in your own logo? Right. So you, so you suggest to uh, basically do what you do. So you analyze different logos and rebrands and then based on that uh, we can learn what makes a great logo right or yeah. what makes or what, what makes a bad logo yeah i think it's important to know what's out there and and re and sort of see what what other designers react to positively so that then you can make an informed decision that oh okay so something like this works and even if you don't know why, just knowing that a large group of people, you know, spe thinking specifically about brand new or blog where, you know, all of a yeah. sudden, if you have 20 people saying this is great, then you have to think, okay, what makes this great? What can I take from this and apply in my own way to my own logo? So without those points of reference, it becomes really hard to just become an expert and know what's good or bad if you're isolated from what's out there. Right. So basically, just to sum up, it's about colors and fonts and shapes and, and using those uh, uh, elements of visual language to design something that is visually appealing, right? Uh, yeah. So, But it's not just about the logo, right? Because logo is like a centerpiece um, of, of everything, but this gets us closer to talking more about identity system. Because um, since logos need to be simple, as you mentioned earlier, uh, in order to, to, to become memorable, we can show a, lo a lot of more creativity in actually in executing the identity system, right? So um, can we just talk about that? Uh, I just wanted you to share with us some, some of your thoughts on designing an identity system because you have a lot of experience looking at, you know, uh, different, maybe unusual ways of how designers use logos or its element or some supporting graphic uh, um, Addition, uh, like additional graphics, additional gra uh, graphic elements uh, to build that identity system. Yep. Um, one one thing with logos is that it can only a logo can only do so much, um, which is a good thing because then it just becomes a representation of the company product or service. But then it's what accompanies that logo that complements it that completes the message that you're trying to convey and it allows you an identity system allows you to build on the attributes that you want to portray so if you want it to be happy 
you know, you can have colorful illustrations, you can have photos of smiling people, you can have a bold, cheerful font, whatever that may be, all those elements have to support the logo and support and complement the logo so that you're able to convey a, a more complete message that a logo simply cannot deliver. So it really becomes, it opens up the opportunities to, to do many different things that are that can start to be more interesting, that can start to be more daring, more ambitious than whatever you try to do with the logo, because then these are the things that you're going to put on a brochure, that you're going to put on social media, that you're going to put on um, advertising, whatever that may be. So you have bigger canvases, you have more, you know, if it, if it has motion, um, or if it's a, a TV ad or a YouTube ad, all of a sudden you can tell a story in a matter of 15 seconds or five seconds that you just can't do with a logo. So that is a great, the identity is almost as important as the logo in that you're able to fully realize whatever message is you're trying to say. Right, so it's about uh, that big idea, right? So as you said, uh, your identity can complement your logo or maybe sometimes can contrast with the logo, right? So if the logo is super simple, maybe you can show creativity through uh, identity system. And then you also need to think about the role you want, you want your logo to play in, in that identity system, right? Um, and it also mentioned, which is really important to uh, design a lot of different applications and uh, different mockups to show how that logo will look like in real life uh, for your clients so that they can envision and they can imagine. And also it's an opportunity for, uh, for us designers to test the viability of that uh, uh, logo design concept, right? Because if we test that design in different applications, we can come to conclusion that it needs some refinements. Yeah, it's really important to prototype as early as possible so that you can make adjustments to a logo if needed. So, you know, you can put a logo on a white piece of paper and it will look great, but that's really how logos are seen. So once you shrink that logo down to the size of a business card or a social media avatar, that really, it really changes how it's perceived. So the more applications that you prototype and test out, the stronger the logo will be. And you can see what, then you can start seeing how the identity complements that and what are the elements that look, that work well on print, online, in motion, things like that. So the more that you can test out upfront, the better. Right. So now let's talk about some, some good examples of logo design. Uh, so, uh, because you review a lot of uh, uh, brand identities, uh, so perhaps uh, some rebrands or famous brands so that uh, we can all relate. Uh, can you give us some examples that would really make a point of good design or effective, uh, or you think it, the, uh, uh, the new logo is, is super effective or well-designed? Yeah, so the, the the trick is that different logos are effective for different needs, for different companies, for different situations and contexts. So one logo that, you know, 
a logo that is right for someone may not be right for someone else. So a lot of it has to do with, is it, is it the right logo and the right identity for the right client at the right time? Um, so for example, the uh, LA 28, the Los Angeles 20, 2028 Olympics logo that just came out, that is, you know, if you look, if you look at it in relation to other Olympic logos, you're like, well, that's super weird. You know, it has this chunky L, chunky two, chunky eight, and then it has an A that changes dramatically. They're done by different people, different have different illustrations, completely different styles. And you might think, right. well, that's not right for the Olympics. Not I mean, yes, in a way, but it is right for the Olympics in Los Angeles in 2028, where, you know, they obviously, one thing is that they have to build a little bit of uh, uh, buzz around it from for the next eight years. And that, that logo does that, but at the same time, it represents LA in a different way. It, it, it's, it signals that the Olympics, when they come back to the US and specifically to Los Angeles, is going to be wild. Um, so I think that logo is right for that special, for that uh, Olympics event. Um, if you look at another recent logo like Intel, it's a yes. boring logo. It's just not exciting at all. The identity yes. is not that great. But, you know, it's Intel. It's just um, if they make chips for computers. Uh, it would be nice if they made chips to eat. But, you know, they make microchips. So it's uh, it's not exactly exciting. And they're not a company known for being bold and uh, and very provocative or anything. So it's a logo that for better or for worse, it fits the client. You don't have to like it. I don't have to like it, but it gets the job done in a way that makes sense. Right. So you gave us two examples of LA uh, uh, Olympics, uh, which is a very flexible identity, like ever changing the uh, identity system, uh, where A uh, takes different forms different expressions. And then we have on the other uh, hand, we have Interlogo, which is uh, which is a very simple, kind of like Uber-like style, uh, minimalist, just because uh, Olympics games, you have to design a new logo every four years, right? So if you do something uh, more creative or even trendy, it's just for this, for this one one off game right every four years you're gonna have to uh, design a new logo but for intel the logo needs to be timeless right yeah uh okay so uh now on the other hand what are some of the bad examples of logo design that we can learn from so maybe some rebrands that didn't go well and i know there is quite a lot of them and and the reasons why and and uh so what are maybe we can just think about like some of the most common mistakes that designers make and and what's the cost of that bad design? Yeah, so to flip the conversation on Intel, you know, I think that's a bad logo in the sense that it didn't take an they didn't take an opportunity to really change how we perceive the company. Like my impression of Intel right now it's actually probably worse than it was before because at least before they had a swoosh and you know not that i like swooshes but at least they had they had something um and now my impression is that it's just more boring than that like they're not even doing a swoosh which you know for better or for worse at least it was 
but it had some dynamism to it. Um, so I think the it's so easy for a logo to be perceived or to be perceived or or used as positive or negative. So you know that's one example that that that's recent. I think you know you can look at something like the Gap logo from what's it been now like ten years I think when they redesigned. You know, they had that really nice, elongated, thin serif logo. And then one day, out of nowhere, they changed to uh, to something like Helvetica with a gradient square. And no explanation, no nothing. And you're like, here you go. And, you know, people were f freaking out. Uh, I think it was the first time that there was a collective freak out about a logo. And I think the yeah. main problem there was lack of communication that... There was no warning, there was no press release, there was no acknowledgement that this has changed. So a lot of times, you know, whether the logo is good or bad, um, if there's no communication, if there's no effective, um, you know, uh, again, communication with the audience that the logo is intended for, that's where things go wrong. Um, you know, you can have a great logo, but if people don't know what to make of it or they expect it, that's where problems start so i think uh being clear about the intentions of a new logo is it's more it's almost as important as whatever the logo looks like now we are going to take a quick break here but we will be right back listen my mission is to help people design iconic brands so whether you're a business leader who wants to be more intentional with branding and all of its aspects or you are a creative who wants to attract powerful clients and truly be able to help them with branding then you need to start with a discovery session and then develop a strategy that will inform all your creative work. And everything you need to learn how to do that, you can find in my online courses at ebegdesign.com forward slash shop, where I share with you my worksheets, case studies, video tutorials, and other additional resources to help you feel safe and strong about your process. And now let's get back to our conversation with Armin Witt. Right, and I just wanted to add here, uh, Tropicana would be a, another example, right? Uh, and, and with the same similar problem, which is lack of communication. So what happened is, uh, uh, I think uh, they just disregarded that the fact that co uh, and the brand equity built around that uh, straw with with an orange and this familiarity, and uh, so so customers couldn't find. Uh, the Tropicana packaging and were uh, outraged by, by this change that was not really like, it wasn't introduced to the public, uh, right? Yeah, and I think that one, you know, I me being a graphic designer and literally having written about the Tropicana redesign, you know, like a few days prior, I walked into my grocery store because I used to drink Tropicana orange juice and even knowing that they had changed, I was like, where is the Tropicana juice? And, you know, it was just, a, you know, even with me, like having that understanding and that knowledge that it changed, it was just like my, my muscle memory of knowing where the Tropicana box was and what it looked like, which was that big orange with a straw coming out of it, all of a sudden wasn't there. And my brain just went short circuit, like it's not here, move on. Um, so I think when when that happens to at a consumer product level, where you have thousands of people buying it every day, and you don't let them know that, hey, this is changing, not a little bit, but 
drastically, that's where, again, you, you run into big problems. Right. So just to sum up for our listeners, so uh, logo fails or bad logo design. Uh, so obviously, if, if you're not, not good with aesthetics, if you don't align elements, you don't care about proportions, you just make some rookie mistakes, then your logo is, is probably going to fail. It's not going to be a good logo. But other than that, if it's a rebrand, you need to uh, pay attention to the equity and uh, be really good at, at communication. So communicating the change uh, to customers and also being able to um, being able to explain uh, the change uh, is it, is really vital, right? It's really important. Correct. Uh, so, uh, since we talk about some good and bad examples in local design, and uh, and you've observed a lot of redesigns and how logos evolve over time, uh, so you probably noticed some trends. So, uh, can you just recall is any trend that crossed your mind for uh, that is going maybe going on right now uh, that are you think that are uh, rooted in, in principles of good design and we should pay attention to. Uh, for example, like this simplicity, I know you, you mentioned that this is a bad example. Another example would be Uber is like extreme sim simplicity and minimalism. Uh, do you think it's a trend or is it going to stay? And what other trends did you notice in logo design? Yeah, I think the minimalism trend is something that has been around for a long time. That's how design, how corporate identity started by being, <clears throat> excuse me, by being minimal. And part of it was because of, uh, you know, the limited ability to reproduce things that they just had to be fairly minimal designs. But the, I think the reason why that has been sustained for such a long time is that that's what in part makes good design as we've talked about. But yeah. I think it can also do be harmful when you just use it as as like that as a style where you know you're just going with a generic sensor if because that because it looks cool or because that's what everybody else is doing. So you have to be really uh, be careful that you're using a trend like that for the right reasons. Um, you know, and I think in the past, I think when uh, Airbnb came out in 2014, then Google redesigned from their serif logo to a geometric sans serif in 2000, 2015. I think that really kicked off a really heavy trend of just that geometric sans serif wordmark approach that, you know, we've been seeing still recently, but in the past two years, uh, especially after the redesign of uh, Chobani, which is a, a brand of Greek yogurt here in the US, uh, when they redesigned, they introduced a really kind of like bubbly, not bubbly, but like roundy serif, very chunky, very friendly. Yeah. And that really changed the conversation where in the past, I think that was 2017, 18 maybe. And in the past two years, we've seen a lot of... Uh, uh, companies in any mar in different markets and industries go that route because all of a sudden that became acceptable and it became the it became associated with a successful product. So whenever you have something 
that is successful and does something different, people are like, oh, I want that. Like, I want to follow that. And so we've seen a lot of that recently. And I think now, and probably as a reaction to what Airbnb and Google started. And now we're seeing in a limited way, a little bit of a trend towards really wacky, not necessarily wacky, but more daring, more unique uh, typography that really differentiates any product or service from anything else. And again, I think that trends are usually a reaction to the trend that came before. So, you know, we went from kind of like really stark minimalism to yeah. really expressive typography. And, you know, it's a, it's a process. And I think in five years, we're going to go back to you know, the geometric sensor is because we got tired of whatever was hap whatever's happening right now. Right. So it's about finding that balance uh, be between those extremes, right? Uh, it, uh, if it's extreme minimalism, maybe it, it becomes too boring and, um, and you just blend in and you look like everyone else, looks like every other logo. And if you go uh, uh, on the opposite, uh, if you just make it too, like, you just go like, uh, make it trendy, then um, the trends will will change, and so we'll have to, so we'll, your logo will just not be in in, in fashion anymore, right? Uh, uh, so it it will be a fad that uh, uh, is just it it will require a, a new uh, redesign, right? So uh, you just have to like find a balance between those extremes, so. Uh, just to sum up for our listeners, um, I've taken some notes uh, to make a, make a summary. So the logo needs to be simple, distinctive, memorable. It's important to test your logo on variety of different applications in, in the uh, prototyping phase. And you need to find that balance so, uh, between um, different trends or uh, minimalism and so on. So, and the last thing you need to pay attention to to details, proportions, lettering, colors, alignment, and so on. Do you think I, I miss anything? Do you want to add anything as tips, uh, uh, as some some of the uh, tips for uh, to design more effective logos? Uh, no, I think you covered everything. The one thing I would add is, you know, have a strategy in place with your client about how your design gets communicated because even if you get the proportions right, if you get the colors right and the typography right, if the client does not communicate that to their audience in the right way at the right time, you know, all that hard work doesn't goes away. Right. So all that is important plus communication as we discussed earlier. So as we are approaching the end of our episode, I just wanted to ask you more about how to find more about you for designers who just want to connect with you or clients who want to work with you. Uh, and I'll include those links in the description. Yep. Our website is underconsideration.com. From there, you can find the different things that we do, uh, mainly the blog brand new. So that's underconsideration.com slash brand new. We do the brand new conference. We do an event called First Round. Uh, on social media, we are on Instagram and Twitter at UCLLC, as well as at Armin Witt. Um, we, we don't spend a lot of time on social media posting, but we're, we're there. We'll pay attention to messages. Great. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Armin. I appreciate my pleasure. that. Yeah, my pleasure. 
So this is it for today's episode and make sure to go and check out Armin's website and follow him on social media. You can find all the links on this episode's page at evekdesign.com slash podcast slash 13. So thanks for tuning in and if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to my podcast for more tips on branding, strategy and design. This was Arek Dvorniczak from Evek Design.